0: This week's episode of Casa de Cambio is brought to you by Casa de Cambio. www.casadacambio.com.au There's There's no budget left left for that. We'll We'll just just send send an an email. email. Combs and training. Just get the project manager to do it. Change Change isn't a thing. Are you finding yourself having to deliver change but not knowing where to start? You don't have the luxury of a dedicated change resource? Has your project run out of money and you're being expected to do everything yourself? Well, I'm here to help with Casa de Cambio's new Introduction to Change Management workshops. These workshops are aimed at project managers, product owners, business analysts, agile coaches, team leaders, executive sponsors, anyone who has to lead change as part of their job but doesn't really know where to start. I'll be covering off the foundation's Uh, giving you a good grounding of some of the tools of the trade that you can add to your change management toolkit and also some case studies of successful change implementations. There'll be a lot of opportunity to ask questions and you'll be learning from someone who has loads of experience in the field and learned it all the hard way, me. Please learn from my mistakes. Go to www.casadecambio.com.au to sign up. To Casa de Cambio. It's a second version of Ask a Change Manager, a little mini episode for you where I, your host Natasha Redmond, go over some of the uh, fundamentals of change. So today I'm talking about what is change management? Where did it come from? Why is it a thing? And why is it important? But first, I have some recommendations for you. So I always ask my guests three questions. Firstly, what are you (laughs) currently, I can't ask myself, what am I currently watching, reading or listening to? So, I have a lot of recommendations. Um, Obviously, in isolation, (laughs) there's been a lot of Netflix watching. There's been, actually, my podcast listening has gone down because that's something I always do when I commute and I'm not commuting. So, I tend to listen to podcasts when I'm, um, you know, tidying up the apartment or pottering around. I can't listen to a podcast and work, but I can listen to music and work. I don't know, it's the way that my brain is wired. Um, So I've been listening to a lot of uh, Aussie music from the 90s. I've got some great playlists on Spotify. Uh, I've been making heaps. Um, And I recommend that uh, you do jump on Spotify and listen to Australian artists during this time because they have lost all of their income from touring and concerts. Um, So, yeah, if you can afford a paid subscription to, to Spotify, do that and stream some music so they can at least earn a little bit of income Uh, because they're one of the groups who's been the worst impacted um i am expecting a lot of new music to come out with all the tour cancellations i'm sure there's a lot of musicians just uh, squirreled away um in recording studios and and their houses putting things together so i'm hopeful in a few months you know there's going to be some great new creative content coming out um so yeah get onto spotify um And listen to your Australian, support your Australian artists or the artists that you like. Um, So, podcasts. These are, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, This is not the entire list, but this is a list of podcasts that I really enjoy and would like to recommend to you. So, getting curious with Jonathan Van Ness. Jonathan Van Ness, uh, you know from the Queer Eye reboot on Netflix. I love him. Uh, Some people find him annoying Uh, I don't but he has this podcast where he gets experts on different topics Uh, very very smart people he's actually a super intelligent guy he's so smart Uh, and he has different people on every week about and who are experts on a particular topic so one time he had an expert on snakes Uh, he talks a lot about politics Um, you know he has a lot of political commentators uh, he has political candidates. He had Elizabeth Warren. Um, yeah. So, the, the, if you want to learn new things by listening to podcasts, getting curious. Also, Dolly Parton's America. So, Dolly Parton is potentially the most delightful person to have ever walked this earth. And so, that podcast is all about her songs and her and what it says about America. And, and you know, she's in it being interviewed. And I just can't get enough of Dolly. Disgrace uh, Disgraceland, it's a, I think it's by Vice. So <laughs> Disgraceland tells the story, these notorious stories of rock stars. So Rick James, um, Sam Cooke, uh, all of these things. I a season came out last year and I missed it. So I'm catching up on Disgraceland because I love rock and roll and I love a good rock star. Crazy story. The Tim Ferriss Show, obviously, he gets amazing people on. Uh, Shameless is an Australian uh, podcast. ...run by two uh, very smart young women called... (laughs) ...it just went blank... ...Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. So they do talk a lot about pop culture and reality TV... ...which I don't really... um, ...I don't watch much reality TV. I don't watch maths. I don't watch the Kardashians. Uh, but I feel like I know everything about, you know, Miley Cyrus's new boyfriend and what's happening with all of these Instagram influences because they actually talk about it and break it down in a very interesting way. And they do a series. Um, they do two podca- podcasts a week. They do a series called In Conversation. So they interview some really, really interesting people as a part of that. There's another one called The Big Sister Hotline, which is by uh, prominent Australian author and feminist Clementine Ford. So she answers um, anonymous listeners' uh, feminist questions and she gets a lot of cool guests on as well. And then, um, so that's a good one if you want to learn about, you know, gender equality and women and issues facing women or you might have some questions that you want answered yourself. And then lastly this round of recommendations I think on my next mini episode I'll probably have a whole another list Bobo and Flex so Flex mummy who is an Australian DJ VJ influencer and Bobo who I believe is based in New York so it's a cross-continental podcast and that one is really good it's a <laughs> it's a millennial podcast. And it's always good to, uh, you know, stay on top of what millennials are into and and what they're saying. But that is a particularly good podcast because they discuss um, issues of race, racism um, and issues that people of colour face. So if you um, want to get educated about that sort of stuff, I mean, podcasts are a very, very safe way for you to educate yourself about what's going on, whether it be change management or, you know, race relations or feminism and you can do it in a way where you don't really have to put yourself out there and ask a question that, you know, people might think you're dumb. So that's why I'm here talking about change management today. Oh, TV. So I've just finished the final season of Shit's Creek. It's one of the best shows ever and I'm really sad that it's over but I'm um, also very grateful that we got to have it. Um, the Last Dance. So it's a documentary on Netflix about... Uh, the Bulls 1998 Chicago Bulls um, you know their drive to get a third I want to say premiership I know it's not a premiership cup championship they might even call it the World Series which I always find so odd because it's not being played globally it's just being played in America you know what I mean the NBA uh, Michael Jordan Scottie Pippen Dennis Rodman It's just amazing. It's so amazing. And for me growing up in the 90s, um, Michael Jordan was a superstar and I don't even know how we accessed uh, NBA games but my my friends and I used to watch NBA games all the time. We used to watch Michael Jordan all the time. You know, Space Jam, amazing movie. So I actually didn't realise um, a lot of the stuff that was happening behind the scenes. There is so much drama And it's also a really interesting uh, study in leadership because you've got Michael Jordan, greatest of all time. Um, You know, he has a bit of a reputation for being a bit harsh and, you know, really riling people up. But he's also his job is being competitive. His job is to win championships. um, And and that's what he does. So it really um, makes you think, well if that's how he gets, you know, these amazing results is a bad thing. So it's an interesting leadership story. But then Michael himself al- al- also says, I never asked anyone to do anything that I didn't do myself, which is a really important leadership lesson. Uh, and then you've got Phil Jackson, who just is, you know, never raises his voice, always mild and he gets amazing results as well. So it's worth it just for the leadership insight. But also, you know, the retro footage of Michael Jordan just being a freak, on the basketball court and doing all these amazing stuff and 90s nostalgia. Um, so give that a go. Vida on Stan. Gente uh, Fired on Netflix. They're both quite similar. They're set in LA, Boyle Heights. I've been watching Money Heist, um, which, you know, the plot line is a bit silly, but it's very entertaining. I just watched one called White Lines, um, which is about oh, some a group of Mancunians in Ibiza. Ibiza. Uh, and uh, murder mystery it's very trashy but easy to watch i finished season two of shrill on sbs on demand and i'm also of course watching rupaul's drag race so what was the best career advice i ever received i think it's just back yourself you know i many people have told me this and i i would tell all of you back yourself um Yeah, just be confident in your own abilities. Don't worry about what other people think. Um, If you spend your life worrying about what other people are going to think, you won't get anywhere. I also have um, written down some of my own advice that I would like to share with you. The first piece of advice I'd like to share with you is get out of your comfort zone. Um, That is where growth happens. If you always stay where you feel comfortable, uh, you're not going to grow, you know, you need to be scared. Um, There is an amazing movie called Strictly Ballroom uh, and in that movie, uh, the lead character Fran says, una vida vivida con miedo es una vida medio vivida, which means a life lived in fear is a life half lived. So again, um, don't live your life in fear. If there's stuff that you want to do, go do it um what are you afraid of what's the worst thing that can happen you might look stupid whatever uh, the next one is don't ask don't get if you don't ask for things that you want you're not going to get them don't sit back and wait to be chosen or noticed, especially if you're a woman um us women do that way too much um you need to be saying hey i'm here i want this i can do this give me the opportunity i want that um, please come and be on my podcast or <laughs> whatever it is um, that you're trying to do. Be yourself. Um, I hate to use the A word, authenticity, but the more you are yourself and not what you think other people want you to be, uh, the more people are going to appreciate you. I know when I was a lot younger, um, I thought I had to dress and behave in a way that was very conservative. Um and maybe I did back then, I don't know. Um, but it didn't really make a difference in terms of my career progression and it didn't make me happy. And I found, you know, and this is part of getting older as well, The fa- I found the more I was, you know, myself, um, not worrying about whether people thought I'd be weird or a bit too much or a little bit over the top. Um, yeah, the more I am my true self and I, d- I don't think I'm that much different inside or outside of work. Um, Apart from, you know, I try to limit the swear words at work and um, when I have to do important meetings and presentations, I do obviously um, keep myself pretty tidy professionally and and make sure the presentation is good. Um, (laughs) Not too loose with my language. But I'm pretty much the same person inside or outside of work and I think the more that I am that person inside of work, uh, the more people appreciate that because, you know, you are unique and... there, you have things that only you bring to the table and if you're trying to be someone you're not um, you're not going to do as well um, particularly at the moment but always support your fellow change practitioners and if you're a woman support other women if you're a man support women too but I mean we've really got to lift each other up we've got to help each other out we've got to share opportunities and that's how you're going to build a really strong network um, and I touched on this in my episode with Frisca when I was talking about networking. But yeah, like if you only reach out to people when you want something, um, you're not going to have a strong connections if you're reaching out to people, you know, in a genuine way and um, offering to help. Like for example, if someone at the moment, um, is there's a lot of people posting on LinkedIn about looking for work. Um, actually keep an eye out for, ask them what type of roles they would look for and if you see those roles, message th- message them to that person. Invite them to be on your podcast if you have a good podcast and, you know, give their profile a bump. Um, yeah, sh- just do the best that you can to help people, um, but particularly always and now. Anyway, that was a lot of talking about podcasts and advice, but I hope you find it useful. Now, on to change management. Oh, and before we start, I um, it is a quite cool, grey and rainy Melbourne autumn afternoon, but it's getting quite wintry. And, you know, I'm in my nice warm apartment and I'm drinking a lovely glass of red wine. I'm drinking a glass of Tim Adams Bay's Block uh, Shiraz, 2012 Shiraz. Tim Adams is one of my all-time favourite wines. uh, His red wines and his red blends are amazing. So go and check him out. The best place to buy Tim Adams wine is via Premium Wines Direct. Uh, That's the cheapest one. You can also get it from Dan Murphy's. Um, and it's lovely. I'm going to have a sip right now. <sighs> so, on to the topic of the podcast. Ask a change manager. What is change management? What is it? What does it mean? It's change It's one of those words that's just thrown around willy-nilly, like agile or authenticity um, or going on the journey. Anyway, I digress. So, my elevator pitch for change uh, is basically making sure – It's the way we transition um, people, teams, companies to their desired future state. So it does provide a structured approach to how we do that and how we successfully implement change. So it's all about that smooth transition. Um, The origin story of change, because it is a superhero, probably deserves its own movie franchise. Nah, just joking. Um, So I guess since, you know, the advent of the information superhighway known as the internet, which would have been in the late 90s, we've, you know, in business, in life, we've experienced huge technological advances in very short periods of time. Um, You know, we now live in a VUCA world. Uh, The business environment is changing all the time. So because business and technology is changing all the time, um, companies have to know how to be comfortable with change and know how to manage that. So that's kind of, you know, where it's become... Thing, I mean, it was a thing, you know, for a long time. But I think, uh, yeah, all of this technological innovation that's come out um, around the turn of the century has meant that the ability to manage and adapt to change is an essential requirement in the workplace. You'll know you'll see that written on a lot of uh, job descriptions and KPIs. However, it can be hard to implement major change or change very quickly because of the way. Well, I'm going to use air quotes the way things are done at a lot of companies that can create roadblocks that can be difficult to remove uh, and just the structure and culture and silos at certain companies. So we've got like a... Not a catch-22 or, yeah, a bit of a catch-22 where we've got all this change that needs to happen but the way that companies are set up means that it's often, you know, really hard to implement. Why is it important? So... (laughs) I mean, there is a stat out there that 70% of all change initiatives fail and that's often uh, used by, you know, pre-sales folk in consulting companies to really scare clients into buying their services. Uh, I don't think that's 100% true. Um, There's a lot of articles out there that debunk that and I know I wouldn't go around saying that 70% of projects that I've worked on have failed. I would say all of them have... um, been successful have they been as, as successful as i would like no of course not um were they delivered on time and under budget most of the time no once or twice yes um and i think that's where you know that statistic i think the, the failure come you know being on time and under budget is something it's like, well, that never happens come on um but what we look at in terms of change success are completely different things that's probably a different ask a change manager actually um, anyway So, why am I talking about this statistic? Well, apart from scaring people into purchasing change management uh, consulting services, it does make it seem like change management is very, very important because if you don't apply good change management, your whole initiative will fail. And that is a very big risk. Um, You know, I guess one of the reasons, you know, that a change initiative could fail is a lot of uh, change management principles were not applied. So, why is it important? So, I think the first one is around your benefits If use uh, and adoption. Benefits and adoption. If your users don't adopt the change uh, or your staff aren't properly upskilled, this will put your benefits at risk, um, which is the reason that you're doing the whole uh, change initiative or project in the first place. Uh, If you fail to manage change well, there are financial, uh, reputational and operational risks. Um, (laughs) In the last podcast that I published, I had to beep out (laughs) the name of the company and the system that was implemented at that company that was uh, well known in the Melbourne business community as being a disaster and the change management was terrible. So there was a huge reputational hit to that particular company. Um, You know... (laughs) As well as your reputation, I also talked in that podcast about um, your frontline staff being your first port of call for your brand. And if you are implementing any sort of change, whether it's new ways of working, new ways of interacting with customers, new customer experience, new technology, and your staff who work, you know on the phones or your retail outlets, if they are not able to use that technology, if they don't understand, Uh, the principles that underlie these new ways of working, if they're not adopting them, um, then that's going to look, it's a really bad look for any company. Um, So yeah, manage the change well. Set your staff up for success. Um, Another reason that change is important is a lot of times when a new product is developed or a project is, you know, thought of or stood up or, you know, gets going, the impact of a new strategy or a series of changes has not been thought through or understood in detail and that's one of the things a change manager does so then when things the impacts are not thought through you don't realize until you've already implemented and there's problems now oh i didn't really oh i didn't realize it meant that oopsie can we fix it it's really hard to fix Um, another one is that Teams responsible for delivering change, they often end up working in silos or they have their blinkers on they forget to bring others along their journey with them. Um, You know, sometimes when you're living and breathing a change, you forget that others aren't living and breathing that change and you need to continually tell them about it and update them. Um, So, another reason that it's good to have, you know, a dedicated change resource or Um, someone who has change management capabilities in your project team or your initiative. Um, And on that, whether you have a dedicated change resource or not, someone on your team needs to be the advocate for the frontline or the voice of the customer because you need to think about the people that you're impacting and that's what a change manager does or a change practitioner um, if you're, if you have a large project or a large transformation, someone does actually need to be responsible for the creation and execution of your change collateral. Um, and keeping stakeholders updated on progress and, and making sure that everyone is doing their part. Did your sponsor go to that meeting and talk about, you know, the latest release? Um, who wrote the talking points for that? You I'm a very big proponent of agile, but that doesn't mean agile does not have its flaws. In fact, It's not just with Agile, it is also with waterfall uh, project methodologies. None of them mention change. It really um, grinds my gears (laughs) because, you know, a lot of people go and do their PMBOK or their PMP or their Lean or Scrum and no one talks about change or they go and become an Agile coach and they don't teach people, you know, you've actually got to manage change and then they learn the hard way. But with Agile in particular, one thing that a lot of people say is, well, we're all agents of change. And I'm sorry, but that's a cop-out. Like, you need to have someone who is responsible for that work. You can't just all look at each other, you know, two weeks before go-live and go, oh, I thought you d- you were doing it. Oh, I thought you were all do- oh, agents of change. Didn't we all do it? Who did that? Oh, I don't know. Um, and it doesn't matter if that person has the title change manager or if it's a product owner or <laughs> if it's the project manager doing it. That stuff needs to be done. It needs to be done by someone who has the skills. Um, and that's a whole... <laughs> That's a whole other can of worms. There's a lot of people out there who uh, are required to uh deliver change as part of their roles, whether it be a project manager, um, you know, a business analyst, uh product owner, agile coach, team leader, team manager, um, executive, sponsor, you know, so many people. And they don't, you know, they don't have, I guess, formal change management training is probably the a bad way to put it but they've never um, developed change management skills. They don't have a huge amount of change management tools in their toolkit Uh, and they don't have the luxury of a dedicated change resource. Um, So they end up not set up for success and not having the best time. So that's why I've developed a series of workshops that introduce change management and they are aimed at those people, the people who have to deliver change who are not change managers. So it covers off things like what I've just talked about, what is change management, why is it important, why is it a thing. Um, It gives you some examples of the tools of the trade that a change manager might use. It talks through some case studies of successful change and it shows what good looks like. Um, Also has the opportunity to ask your own questions. So if you go to www.casadacambio.com.au, you can sign up. And if the workshops are all sold out, there'll be a wait list because I'll always be releasing more. So get in there, sign up um, and have a nice week and stay warm and don't live your life in fear. Until next time, (coughs) bye-bye.